0: Soccer Central. Hello, 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 and thank you for pressing play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central podcast. The world's game is played right here in the Great Lakes State, and we talk about it each and every week here in the podcast. My name's Robert Kerr. Glad to be with you once again, as always, amidst uh, the, the 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 invasion from Messi and Barcelona 2012. And the Women's World Cup. There has been uh, some local action here, and some some big action coming up. Friday night in Flint, the Bucks host the Des Moines Menace in the USL Two Central Conference Final. So a rematch from last year that the Bucks won to go to the national semifinal. So Friday in Flint, and then Saturday night in Lansing, the Midwest Premier League's Great Lakes Conference Final the undefeated East champs enter Detroit versus the West champs, 1927 Fort Wayne Saturday night in Lansing. So the amateur season coming to postseason, And then, uh, we want to talk about some Detroit city FC cause I've been in over my head with the amateur summer season. So it's time to come out of my cocoon. So I thought I'd bring on uh, someone who has been to just about every single game and, uh, covering the team as well as many of the other detroit sports teams and stories sports reporter for the detroit news nolan bianchi returns to the show thank you so much for joining on a very busy week for you
1: yeah definitely very busy week but thanks for uh thanks for having me i'm happy to make time for it obviously with the lions starting this week dcfc uh one more game before the bye week i actually got disoriented earlier this week i was like okay uh dcfc bye week i can kind of chill out for a second and then on tuesday i was like oh wait no it's that's not till the next week so i've been a little uh i've been a little disoriented with with the training camp starting and whatnot i'm on a much different sleep schedule than i'm used to they got early mornings over there i'm not an early early morning person so uh it's been a little bit of a struggle but i'm starting to get into the sleep rhythm a little bit and hopefully that uh that that helps the rest of my life even out a little bit too
0: the life of a sports reporter training camp you gotta wake up early yeah.
1: Yeah. Usually, uh, I, last year it was like a little bit later. So it was a little more tolerable. I think it started at like nine 30 or 10, but, uh, yeah, this is, it's been tough on me. I'm a, I'm a like eight o'clock, nine o'clock wake up kind of guy. You know, I'm up late a lot with, uh, games and stuff. So, uh, definitely new for me.
0: Are the lions, uh, beat reporters like, Oh man, last year was so sweet when they had hard knocks here. Is anyone missing the hard knocks film crew?
1: No, I don't think so. And it wasn't that they were, uh, you know, a nuisance or any way. Like I, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm glad they're not there. I don't think anybody would say they're. Well, maybe they would, because at the end of the day, like they kind of just got in the way. You know, like you're, you're already seeing, uh, all, all these stories kind of play out. Like it doesn't provide you with anything new. So uh, you know, it's nice not having the uh, all the cameras there all the time. And uh, but. You know, it it was definitely still cool um to to know that a lot of Lions fans got that inside look at their team because training camp is one of the more interesting, unique, um, you know, intimate experiences in the game.
0: I did see on your feed a little bit of a soccer crossover. A, uh, a one of the uh, rising stars for uh, uh the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown said he was a FIFA guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Surprise. So there's quite a few guys on that team who are uh, big soccer guys. I know I talked to Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, he's a Barca fan, but he's, uh, he's a Messi fan. So he's been – I think he, like, has some sort of ownership in uh, Inter-Miami. I asked him about it. He didn't really get into it all that much, but he did kind of – he was like, yeah, yeah, I bought into something. I'm assuming he just has, like, a small stake or whatever, but – um Yeah, and so, like, he, you know, Amon Ra is a guy who, uh, he's very well cultured. He speaks a lot of different languages. Uh, and so, yeah, he's, he's, I know he's a big soccer fan and, uh, doesn't surprise me at all because, uh, he's, he's just into a lot of different things. And it seems like, you know, he loves dominating football, but it doesn't surprise me that he's, uh, he likes dominating guys on FIFA as well.
0: Earlier today, actually, I was trying to describe to somebody what the, the hard knock season was to somebody who like didn't pay attention at all. And when I was trying to explain kind of the backstory of St. Brown, they're like, oh, well, that's an unusual football player.
1: Yeah, he's a he's a really interesting guy, like a definitely big like chip on the shoulder guy. You can name all 16 guys who were drafted ahead of him um but at the end of the day like he he's the most regimented athlete i think i've ever come across in terms of i'm doing these things every single day to get better and it's just things that nobody else is doing you know you see him he catches uh 203 balls after practice off the jug's machine every single day and it was it goes back to some teammate that he had used to catch 202 balls off the jugs machine after practice every day. So he said, okay, I'm going to start doing 203. And, like, he's just always that guy uh, who who can motivate himself out of nothing. Uh, and he's definitely a fascinating guy to cover.
0: Well, uh, you are definitely busy in-depth coverage of the Detroit lions. I see you hitting up some Tigers stuff. Uh, I'm not sure if it was you or one of your fellow writers had a soccer based story on loss of, uh, of Trevor Francis. And then, um, and then, but also you've been on the beat at all the Detroit city FC games. And that's, you know, why I really invited you, uh, Detroit city FC 22 games into the season. Uh, 12 games to go so kind of a bit of a catch-up um, when we originally planned this uh, conversation um, there's been a little bit of a change in fortune after that uh, 22 games there are six wins five draws 11 losses um, and two of those six wins have come in the last week so a bit of a different uh, storybook kind of uh, I don't know if you're able to give a bit of a synopsis of, of how the last uh, month or so has gone because there's been a new player and a little bit of a change here recently?
1: Well, it's definitely been necessary. Uh, you know, they went on that, that five game winless streak about, uh, I think it ended a little over a month ago and things were, things were riding high and everybody was feeling good. And, it was like, oh, you know, everything's going to be okay. You know, th- this is a team that can just not score and, and you know, pick up points and make the playoffs somehow and everything's going to be good. Um, but what I think is really encouraging is not just that they uh, have been scoring in their, their last couple games, but obviously the defensive posture uh, has been maybe as good as it's been all season, in addition to the fact that they're not getting these fluky goals. Like, they these, these last couple games, like, they've been – creating a ton. They've been getting a ton of chances. They, and it, and it's come with kind of a a substantial change in the lineup of, uh, putting Dario Suarez in that kind of, you know, center attack position. And so, um, I, I think there's reason to buy into this and and to believe it, like going back to the, the fluky goal stuff, the legit goal stuff when they beat, San Antonio and Birmingham, I I think it was in those back to back games uh, a couple months ago. Like the goals they got were really awesome. I think they, I don't know if they were both up for goal of the week. I know the Skage one was where he just kind of like, it was just off a bounce from Steinwasher and he just like booted it. Uh, barred out I think that that was that game is if I'm remembering correctly um, and then uh, I, the next one was the the maxi goal where he kind of just you know took it himself it was a really nice goal but like it wasn't one of those things where it was like oh finally the damn burst and they get on the board it was like oh okay it's a it's a good thing that they got that because they haven't been doing much to this point point. and so what I think you can kind of take of these last uh, couple of games is that uh, it just looks like a different team up front. And I think that's very encouraging.
0: So I know that you've been, uh, quite embedded with the team. You've been granted a, a good amount of access. Did you have any inside track on the Dario Suarez deal? I know that, um, there's a lot of affection for him, like one of the fans, like favorite, like opponent players. And then, and then he kind of popped up in a, in a, in a, in a at least from my perspective, a surprise deal, you know, just a kind of out of the blue, so to speak. Um, Did you have any inside track on how that materialized and how that deal came to be?
1: Yeah. So what I, I, what I, Kind of got the gist of was that just like Tulsa really liked Tommy for one reason or another. I, I don't have a solid. So to be clear,
0: that, that that was the outbound player, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tommy McCabe, uh, who got traded from Detroit City FC, it was a one for for three, well one for two and some cash, uh, with Dario Suarez and Brett Levis uh, coming the other way. So I, um, what basically what what Trevor told me was that you know Tulsa contacted them and said. Uh, hey, we want Tommy, and they said, "Well, we really like Tommy." And um, you know, they they came back to him, or they came up with an offer, and it wasn't good enough. They came back with another offer, um, and it wasn't good enough. And then they came back with a third offer, and it was like, "Holy crap!" They have to take this deal. Uh, you you couldn't say no to it. Um, and so. Again I don't necessarily know why Tulsa was motivated to get Tommy I do wonder if there was like some connection with the uh, alumni base there I'm pretty sure one of the owners there played for the the Notre Dame like national championship team or he was on the roster or something something to that degree um, where there was some sort of loose connection it seemed uh, where they were motivated to get him and um, DCFC obviously liked him. He was really young and, uh, you, you saw why they liked him earlier on this season. And, uh, Tulsa just was willing to give up the, the hall for him.
0: And then, so, uh, one of the, uh, the favorite, uh, opponents becomes one of the team. And so, uh, you said there was a bit of a change in the approach once he's been integrated into the team. Uh, what, what, what was that change? Well, I,
1: I just think that he brings something different, uh, to that to that attack like he just seems more creative he's much more fluid um he he kind of uh his passes seem to be a a little more on point and kind of what i've been referencing that they've been needing a little bit of all season as he's just it's hard to even kind of, you know, put it into words, but he just got that ability to be like, I'm taking over. This team needs a goal and I'm going to be the one to give it to them, or or at least I'm going to die trying. And uh, that's something you saw with Antoine Hopeno last season. And that's why a team that was not very offensively created or, you know, creative was able to mask some of its sins in that way because they had a player who, you know because he had the speed was able to get on the outside every once in a while make a run on goal or you know w- whatever it was and um you know i think dario has has I, it, it's beyond confidence whatever it is it's the swagger it's like just the, the mentality to just go for it the instinct the care instinct is what he brings um i guess that's the word i was looking for uh and and, and it's seriously something that i I've, I've been saying that they needed all season so it, it it's no surprise to me that he has been able to make such a, a big impact for this team. Yeah.
0: And has there been a little bit of a, a mentality switch with that? So if he's got that mentality of I'm scoring no matter what, has that kind of like flipped the switch to some, some players that were maybe not taking as aggressive uh, moments?
1: maybe i mean it's hard to say like it obviously like just playing a certain style and being able to facilitate uh more right. is going to naturally open up more opportunities for players and and put players in situations where you know they're getting the ball and they're not having to work for a shot i think it was like 40 seconds into that uh Louisville game 2 weeks ago where he got the pass across to to Levis and Levis fired it off the crossbar it was in uh even though they didn't, uh, they say it was a no VAR in uh, USL championship quite yet. But um, you, you kind of just like saw it immediately of just like, okay, like his head's on a swivel. He knows where his guy's going to be. And then once he puts it there, the guy doesn't have to do anything extra. He doesn't have to think, he doesn't have to, you know, think, where's my next move? Like he knows that he's just in a spot to take a good shot. And it's a, it's a good chance uh, for the team. And, and so I think that that's definitely one way that you can affect that.
0: So that is is was almost unexpected because uh, the, the, the turnaround this last two games, getting that offensive player when we talked, you know, near the beginning of the season it was the same thing. Where are they going to find the offensive spark with hope? No, gone, you know, late or pretty deep into the season. They do finally get it. Do you think that uh, that's enough to give them a playoff push with 12 games to go?
1: I mean, if they can keep getting it consistently, I would say yes. But I think that that's the thing with this team that I, that makes me uncertain is, you know, I'm not confident that this team is going to just make the playoffs, that this team is going to, oh, okay, they figured it out now and make the playoffs. Like, I have to see it for a longer amount of time. There was a point earlier on in the season where I thought, okay, you know, this team, they they get a little bit of scoring, they get a little bit of, you know, extra from, from over here. And I can see this being, you know, with a six seed, a seven seed, an eight seed. Um, but again, like that that never happened. Um, and so now I'm at a point personally where I have to see it for an extended period of time to really to really buy into it. And I think that this this bye week that they have coming up after this oakland game is is really crucial on that too. It'll be a nice reset uh, for the mind. It'll be a way to kind of you know gear up for that that stretch run and um, you know, I know they're, they're probably hoping that it can uh, be that accelerator to, to make that push into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, to the point. Uh, that, that, so after this weekend's game away at Oakland, California, they have a week off. And then there's 11 games uh, through to the end. But uh, previously, um, uh, the, the, the summer schedule has been pretty harsh. They, they've been playing a lot of two games a week a lot of their home games have been midweek games. There's been uh throw in some, some random weather stuff. It hasn't necessarily been an easy patch, not to make excuses, but uh, hopefully the, uh, the final stretch maybe is a little friendlier uh, schedule wise. And I'll throw this in there. So since I've been gone, we typically, we know each other mostly from waiting after talking to the coach and getting a couple players post game. Mm-hmm. I obviously haven't been there. Uh, I've been on on assignment and uh oak at oakland county how have those post-game interviews been and like how's the 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 in stadium been with uh kind of that that barren run like because it was you know uh coach uh james he 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 definitely always usually has that like positive spin or tries to find the silver lining like when there was like lots and lots and lots of bad results piling up did did that veneer ever waver
1: (laughs) I don't think it did, but, you know, you could definitely tell that Spirits were down, and, you know, you didn't really realize it, I guess, until they ended up getting, you know, a few of those wins. Uh, That Louisville City game, like, you could just feel, like, this catharsis kind of over the entire stadium, just the way guys were were walking around. Um, Nate Steinwasher, like, I heard him say to someone, like, we really needed that, and it was true, like, they did need it. They needed something that was convincing. Like I said, that, that's you know the reason for optimism, I think, for these last two games, but I, I think especially um, when it comes to how the mood has been after these games, they, they've seen their team not only squeak out two wins, it hasn't been squeaking out two wins, they've seen their team put on really, really strong uh, performances, and so I actually wasn't at the, the game last Saturday. Uh, it was one of the only games I'm going to miss all season. I had a, at a good friend's wedding, but um, after that Louisville game and, and after a couple of the home wins earlier this year, like this team is, this fan base is, you know, kind of anxious and and they're ready to kind of see this team become a winner. And I, I think, you know, for the first time in some time, uh, you know, e- even last year, they, they weren't a contender quote unquote, but they were, they were in the playoffs early on and there was a little bit of time where it was like, okay, are they going to hang on here and stay in this playoff race? But for the most part, like it was never really in doubt. And that's coming off of you know a couple seasons in Nisa where they just like won everything. And so uh, I know this is is probably a frustrating season to go through, but I, I also think it's like this is what being uh, a, a sports fan is, and and this is going to be a, a fun ride through these last eleven weeks. Come uh, you know, how, however it comes. And, and that's what I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the weather turning a little bit. I'm, I'm looking forward to the games meeting a little bit more. I'm looking forward to the sense of urgency that you can just feel and you don't have to hear about. Um, and I I just love all that. I love this time of year and, uh, I'm definitely ready to to see this thing go to the stretch finish.
0: Yeah. It'll be cool to see. Yeah. The, the pressure ratcheted up, uh, game by game. and, And I'm sure there's some sort of a, uh, a formula of points per game needed, you know, to make, I'm sure the goal is to, to make the postseason. um, at least try to equal what they, they did last year. Um, but I mean, it's their second season and, uh, it, it was never going to be easy, uh, making the jump into the league, but, um, yeah, final stretch ahead should be exciting. Uh, could you tell, uh, the listeners where they could find uh, more of your coverage?
1: Yeah, so detroitnews.com uh, is where all of my stories are. I actually have a big uh, feature coming out on Dario Suarez uh, in, I, I believe, next week. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then, yeah, just regular coverage. Uh, weekly, I try to get out there at least once a week to practice, kind of let people know what the midweek injury situation is like. Um you know, and just kind of the the trends and what they're doing at training to to kind of whatever the topic of the week is. It's usually pretty topical and uh, relevant to to what happened in the the previous game or what's happening in the next game. So, um, News dot com and then on my Twitter, Nolan Bianchi is basically where you'll you'll be able to find all that stuff.
0: Well, Nolan, thank you so much for uh, catching me up. On uh, DCFC and all of the uh, Detroit sports coverage uh, this week. And before you go, uh, we're recording just before the women uh, play the Netherlands, probably the toughest test uh, for the women in quite some time. Do uh, you have any pregame predictions? Uh, this is the cutoff here, right? We're moments away from kickoff.
1: I, I don't. Uh, I think we're going to win. That's my prediction. I think we're going to you know win by a lot, get revenge for the uh, the men's World Cup. Uh, and I, am hoping for a bloodbath. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, the the women, they handle all the the dirty business when it comes to the beautiful game in the United States. And, uh, and I think they're going to do it again tonight.
0: Yeah, soccer never sleeps. We'll we'll get our podcast <laughs> over and then start watching the whole new game. So thank yeah. you, uh, thank you so much once again, Nolan. Thank you, listener, for tuning in to this week's episode. Um, be sure to check at Mi Soccer Central across all the social media platforms. Again, thank you to all the followers over 10k on Instagram. So so big uh, milestone there. Um, Friday in Flint and Saturday in uh, Lansing. Uh, for those uh, USL2 and uh, Midwest Premier League uh, conference finals. So, like I said, the soccer never sleeps, and go USA. And until next time, everybody, please enjoy your soccer.